Before you leave this morning, I hope you have some appreciation for why it is we are singing an Advent hymn and a Thanksgiving hymn here in the middle of August. I hope that is clear to you. For me, it has everything to do with this reading from the Gospel of Luke. And so hear God's Word. Let God's Word be communicated and imparted to you by the Spirit from Luke chapter 12, beginning to read verse 32. Hear these words. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt And have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. How are we going to be faithful in the coming months and years? In light of everything happening in our world just now, how is the church going to honor God and serve God's kingdom in our time? These may well have been first century questions. And I suspect that part of the reason we have this gospel is that Luke saw value in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with an uncertain world. In his words, he sets down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. That is to say, he tells Jesus' story. And, And part of Jesus' story includes words of instruction addressed to followers challenged to consider how they should live. That's what we've just read. The world you and I are trying to reach is made, as we know, of many who struggle, many who are anxious and angry about something, many who are not sure that the church can help. And you and I believe we have good news that has affected our lives. And you and I will share good news in the hope of encouraging others to join us. But with such a challenge there comes a need to wonder how we can be faithful to this calling. Being the church in our time seems to ask rather radical things for us. Now, you know that, radical, that word radical. It means getting back to the root. And so it is important we go back to the root of Jesus' instruction for first century disciples as well as for us. So how can we be faithful? And in light of everything happening, how can the church honor God and serve God's kingdom? Well, in today's reading, 
we find ourselves in the middle of some of Jesus' teaching, and he's saying many things, but at least three things helpful for faithfulness, our faithfulness. First of all, Jesus offers a compelling promise about life. And then he says how to take this promise seriously. And then finally, he invites followers to get ready for something wonderful, something more wonderful than they can possibly imagine. Now think with me for a few moments about what Jesus is teaching us, what he's saying here. First of all, Jesus offers a compelling promise about life. You heard it. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom read through the Gospel of Luke in its entirety, and you will hear a number of times the words, do not be afraid. When the angel announces to Mary that she will will bear a unique responsibility in life in bringing Jesus into the world, the angel says to her, do not be afraid. When the shepherds are encountered in open fields near Bethlehem, an angel tells them, do not be afraid. When Jesus calls Simon Peter to a life of discipleship, he tells him, do not be afraid. When Jesus encounters a dead child and an emotional community, he tells them all, do not be afraid. You see, God understands that when God is about to make a divine intrusion into our lives, God understands that sometimes we may be frightful and insecure And it should come as no surprise that when Jesus begins speaking to his followers about being faithful, he says to them, do not be afraid. Sometimes you and I are afraid about what effect God will have on our lives. And we can take to heart Jesus' invitation not to fear. Perhaps this is the reason why Jesus uses such endearing language to get his followers' attention. Do not be afraid, little flock. Jesus is the good shepherd, after all, and he wants his followers to understand what kind of care he is offering. He is a caring shepherd who seeks the very best for his sheep. And with their full attention, he explains what God wants to provide. Since we are created in God's image, we can understand this, that God is like every father and mother who wants to give children the very best of life. And in this case... The gift is God's kingdom. It it was my mother and father's good pleasure to give me a good home, a a sense of well-being about myself as a person, the opportunity to develop and grow and, and seek to be the person God intended me to be. They read me books on the couch in our den. My father played catch with me in the backyard. He introduced me to all kinds of sports, particularly golf. I'm especially grateful for my father introducing me to golf. We spent many fascinating hours talking about, watching, thinking about, and playing golf. My father gave me an appreciation for the out-of-doors. It was the unusual Sunday in which he and I were not somewhere in eastern North Carolina walking by a river looking for Indian arrowheads or walking in pine trees and stop and looking at God's creation and just sighing and drinking it all in. My mother was the best mother. She was always there. She gave me an appreciation for books and for being curious. She taught me what to say and how to behave, and that was a reflection on her. She always reminded me. 
My parents taught me about God. It was a family practice in our home every week following breakfast to to read the Bible and have prayers in our family den. And on Sunday, my mother and father took me to Sunday school and church, and they participated and, and went to it themselves. And when we came home, it was uh, the family practice that whoever could, off, whoever could offer some word about what was said in the sermon would get a quarter, and I seldom got any quarters. <laughs> my, fa- my mother and father provided for me an education. They taught me about life. They gave me their name. It was their good pleasure to give me these things. Now, I have a clear sense of my mother and father's good pleasure And God's good pleasure, according to Jesus, is to give the treasure of eternity. God's good pleasure, according to Jesus, is to give you and me the rule and reign of God and all its benefits. And just as my parents had intentions and influence to bear in my life, so God has influence and is bringing about that influence in our lives, even as we gather here this day, even as we gather on Wednesdays as as uh, even as we gather as deacons and elders and committees and do ministry in, G- in Jesus' name. This influence begins with not being afraid. It continues with realizing that Jesus is our good shepherd. And it is made complete by our understanding that God gives to us God's almighty rule and reign in our lives. And so we begin being faithful by realizing that God wants to give us life full of eternal realities. And we experience these realities in the life of the church with others who share similar convictions. Secondly, we learn how to be faithful by seeking to do what Jesus says. Eugene Peterson, the Presbyterian author and scholar, has a version of these words that we've read. He says, be generous, give to the poor, give yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt, keep your shirts on and keep the lights on. Walter Brueggemann once explained, passion as the capacity and readiness to care, to suffer, to die, and to feel is the enemy of imperial reality. He speaks about an empire a dark empire that is in this world that we are familiar with. And he says imperial economics is designed to keep people satiated so that they do not notice. Its politics is intended to block out the cries of the denied ones. Its religion is meant to be an opiate so that no one discerns misery alive in the hearth of God. Here at Second Presbyterian Church, We have a special way of supplying the kind of bank account Jesus means. We know well that religion is not meant to keep us satiated, keep us dull to the cries of the poor and the oppressed and the suffering. We know that. We are invited to be generous in our giving so that as a congregation we may reach out to those in need who are hungry for God's compassion and love and care. We are people of prayer who pray for the needs of our members and neighbors and world. We are followers of Christ who, as far as we are able, we seek to address and answer the prayers we pray. We gather on Wednesday evenings at the close of the workday to encounter the living God in word and sacrament. And with such an active congregation and church life, all of us are 
are called in a very subtle, gentle way to use our gifts and our interests in service of God's kingdom present among us. We're all invited to find a way to use God-given gifts to minister to a hurting world. And so here's how we understand that we may create a bank account that will never go bankrupt. Finally, we learn to be faithful by getting ready for God's blessing. Jesus tells his followers, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. And he asks his followers to be ready for the master's return from a wedding banquet. And he tells them to be alert. If they are alert, if they are alert, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. I suspect sometimes we read these words and we become frightened. Do not be afraid, little flock. You know what God's intentions are. The message is not be ready so that you will avoid punishment, but rather be ready so that you will receive blessing. God longs to bless us. Brother Lawrence was a Carmelite monk who lived in Paris in the 17th century, and he's known for his little book, The The Practice of the Presence of God. He was given responsibility for kitchen duty in the monastery, and he came to believe that God was Lord of pots and pans as well as all the rest of life. And he prayed that God would be present with him even as he scrubbed pots and pans in this community in which he loved and served God. And he invited God to be present with him at all times, several times during the day. And when the day went well, he thanked God. And when he discovered that he had gone astray at the end of the day, he asked for God's pardon, made amends, and continued his service. And he explained, I've come to a state wherein it would be as difficult for me not to think of God as it was at first to accustom myself to it. God blessed his life. And we've come to know Brother Lawrence as the one who teaches us about practicing God's presence. You see, Jesus' words invite us to be ready for God to be present among us, to bless us, to show up at our meetings and show up in ministry and show up in word and sacrament, show up even in the midst of beautiful music and worship services in such a lovely place. Tony Robinson is a United Church of Christ minister who became a church consultant for the Mainline Church, and he's written a book that has been formative for me, Transforming Congregational Cultures. He explains in that book his beginning to recognize that as a preacher, sometimes he was committed to just talking about God. And then he began to realize a way of preaching that was about encounter with God. And he remembered a particular teacher of his who kept asking him, are you listening to the text? Are you listening to the text? Really listening to the text? And then he began to see that not only to listen to the text, but his life and the ministry of those around him in church were ways God was speaking to him. Tony Robinson recognized that as a minister, sometimes God shows up even in the midst of doing what I'm doing with you now. God shows up in the middle of worship and is present. But these words invite us to expectation, 
not just during worship, but all through our lives. Be ready. Have your lamps lit. Jesus wants to encounter us, whether we practice God's presence as Brother Lawrence did or listen to the Word of God as Tony Robinson does. We wait for God's blessing, and we cannot live life without the Spirit of God providing us an awareness, an awareness that God is here now speaking to us in a particular way. A poet says it like this, And when the mercy of trees had shriveled, their branches a mute grotesquerie that splay beneath the sun's fire like a dance of haunts, enter with me the only shade I know, the shadow of God's wings, and bear it resourcefully, Elijah in his cave, Nebuchadnezzar foraging, the Baptist crunching locusts, water from a rock, manna perhaps, Share whatever appears to you of grace and stay until God comes. In your marriage, in the church, in the relationship, in the calling, stay until God comes and God will come with blessing. Now this means that God wants to bless our lives with all the treasure of God's kingdom. And this means God wants to prepare us for blessing by teaching us to give generously, to remember the poor with our gifts, by drawing us into communion through word and sacrament, by using our gifts to minister to those around us. This means God wants to show up in our lives and bless us with the divine presence. And the poet encourages us, stay until God comes. Let us pray. Loving God, sometimes we are antsy and anxious. We are impatient with life. And we do not always stay. And so we ask that you would remind us that you wish to give us the kingdom and you call us to remember the poor and to create bank accounts that will never go bankrupt to be people of prayer, to be people of word and sacrament, to be people of ministry. You call us to be ready and have our lamps lit. So enable us here and now on this day to look for your coming, to anticipate your coming on this day and the next and when we need you most. Enable us all, Lord, to stay until you come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.